You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. My name's Joe Biden. All of this, as more than half of Americans think President Biden will go down as one of the worst presidents in American history. I keep forgetting I'm president. We obviously didn't expect the decision because uh, we wouldn't have known in advance how a court would act. Um, so, uh, and we disagreed with the decision immediately. So, uh, the immediate steps were to determine uh, what power we had to respond to that. Obviously, that uh, that uh, came in the form of uh, the Department of Justice, came in the form of the CDC acting um, and putting out the statements that they did, but. Um, you know, we also don't take photos of flights as data about how the country reacts uh, to issues, um, you know, as whether they're ripping off their, their masks or not. I mean, our focus here was seeing what power we had to preserve, but also to preserve the CDC authority over the long term, because as we've noted from here, we expect there to be ups and downs in the pandemic, and we certainly want the CDC to continue to have this authority. is in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people try to cross the border And politicians build a new world order too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn you wet. Taking your right to self-defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn into guns. Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free.
Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I'm your ever so humble and mostly peaceful uh, host, Tim Tapp, and I am coming to you from historic Roan County, Tennessee. Going to jump right into things today. Uh, got a conversation with Richard V. Battle that I wanted to share with you guys. We uh, got together and talked uh, a couple of days ago, and uh, it's certainly an issue that is an ongoing issue. We were talking about the border primarily, and this is exacerbated by the big news of the last couple of days. There is a 22-year-old National Guardsman from Texas that is missing, and at the time of the broadcast, the search was going on still. This 22-year-old Still missing after witnesses say that he jumped into the Rio Grande on Friday morning in an attempt to save the lives of two individuals who were crossing the river into the United States. It was officially revealed to us today that specialist Bishop E. Evans of Arlington, Texas, gave up his life in an effort to try and save these two individuals who were illegally crossing our southern border. And as it turns out, these weren't just migrants looking for a better life. These, both of these individuals are folks that are heavily involved in drug smuggling into the United States. At this point in time, his body still hasn't been found. The Texas Rangers say that people uh, that he tried to save were drug smugglers. And the news just continues to keep coming forward. I mean, both of these illegal migrants he was trying to save, they, they ended up making it to the shore. They were taken into custody by Border Patrol immediately. This young man who gave up his life in an effort to try and valiantly save the lives of people that were breaking the law. He was stationed at the border as part of the Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott's Operation Lone Star. He was there to try to help secure what was going on. At the southern border, this is an effort where the National Guard has been effort uh, ordered along with other Texas authorities to help supplement the southern border to combat the rising tide of illegal migrants coming across the border that has swelled to a monsoon under the barely there Beijing Biden policies. Quoting Greg Abbott here back in March. This crisis at our southern border continues to escalate because of Biden administration policies that refuse to secure the border and invite illegal migration. Texas supports legal immigration but will not be an accomplice to the open border policies that cause rather than prevent the humanitarian crisis in our state and endangers the lives of Texans. We will surge the resources and law enforcement personnel needed to confront this crisis. Now, that border crisis has continued unabated. Just recently, it was reported that the March of 2022 immigration official records 
had arrests at nearly 210,000 illegal migrants attempting to sneak into our country through the southern border. And an additional 11,000 or so attempted to enter the country via legal ports, despite not having a visa or permission to enter the United States. Now, those folks, when they come here through the legal ports of entry and request asylum, that's how you're supposed to request asylum. Although, if these people are not coming from Mexico, they're supposed to go to the first country they can get to that is safe for them and seek asylum there. So if you're coming from Honduras, if you're coming from Guatemala, if you're coming from, I don't know, let's say, just completely, no apparent reason, randomly choose, I don't know, let's say Ukraine. If you're coming from any one of those countries, if you're coming across our southern border and you're asking for asylum through a legal port of entry, then you're still not following the procedure properly. This young man did what Americans typically do. We're not blind to the situation that exists in these other countries. We understand and we feel empathy for these folks. But we cannot just absorb an infinite number of people no matter how much we would like to be able to, no matter how many people we would love to be able to help. But worse than that, we cannot allow the continuation of border policies that actually endanger the lives of those who are legitimately just seeking a better life. Sadly, that that's not the entirety of the people that are illegally crossing our border, but for those that we could feel empathy for and even feel sympathy for, they still need to follow the same laws and procedure because we have to be selective and we have to be deliberate and we need to make certain that we are bringing in people in numbers in which permits them to assimilate to our culture rather than just creating little pockets of multiculturalism that will eventually lead to the destruction of this nation. Anybody that believes a country with multicultural uh, f fragmentation can continue to exist as a nation has failed to study history. It's not possible for one nation to have multiple cultures. It is possible for one nation to have a single culture that has room to allow for the best aspects of various other cultures to become part of what we do. But if you're just going to come here and try to do the exact same things that made where you came from so bad in the first place, how do you expect that's going to play out? There is nothing humanitarian about encouraging human smuggling and human trafficking, which is exactly what the current policies do. The, the cartel's best friend is the current Biden administration's policies on our southern border. The terrorists around the world that want to cause Americans harm in America, their best friend is the current southern border policies of the Biden administration. And the people that you as a bleeding heart leftist want to just welcome with open arms, those people are endangered by those same policies.
I've often said sometimes tough love is the best love. Some cases, tough love is the only love. To, to just simply bend to the will of someone else isn't to love them. It's to be walked all over, and it leads to destruction, destruction of relationships, and in these cases, destructions of borders. And for some people, that might sound like a good thing, but without borders, there can be no autonomy. And without autonomy, there can be no United States of America. And without a United States of America, there is no hope left in the world. That's the part that so many people on the left refuse to acknowledge. Some of them simply don't even understand it. Some of them have been indoctrinated and brainwashed to the point that they just don't get it. But the perfect example of what America truly is about occurred when this 22-year-old National Guardsman from Texas sacrificed himself in an effort to assist two people that were illegally trying to cross our border and who turned out to be drug traffickers, drug smugglers, bad hombres. Now, a knee-jerk reaction, and, an, and I wouldn't blame you for having this, would be to just say, we're, we're not going to put out the patrol boats anymore and try to rescue any of these people that get in trouble. We're just not going to do it. We're not going to lose any more of our people in an effort to save these folks who do not respect our laws enough to come here the right way. I get it. I won't judge anyone who says that out loud. But that's not who we are ultimately, and it's not who we should let people like the Biden administration or the globalist elitists turn us into. We cannot turn a blind eye to the suffering that's going on, but we do need to realize that at the same time, we can't turn a blind eye to our own limitations. We can't turn a blind eye to the fact that we are encouraging criminal behavior by not taking a tougher stand. Sometimes the truly humanitarian thing to do is to say no. I hate that this young man lost his life. I hate that he has family now that's going to have to mourn his loss. I hate the fact that as of the point of me going to air, they still hadn't found his body. They had found some of his equipment, but they haven't found his body. I hate the fact that this administration continues to put good men and women on that border to have them try to do a job that they're not willing to really let them do. That being said, I'm going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to play for you my conversation with Richard Battle. I hope you will not go anywhere. This was a very good conversation. I'm going to do the uh, the mid-hour break way early because I want to make sure that I get this conversation in its entirety in, and I really want to try to maintain myself rather than get too worked up. So you guys don't go anywhere. I'll be uh, right back right after this. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. My name's Joe Biden. I keep forgetting I'm president.
Florida Governor Ron DeSantis continues to show that Republicans can and should fight for what is right. But will Republicans learn or continue to play the go-along-to-get-along game? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, Republican Florida Governor Ron DeSantis continues to show Republicans everywhere that if they truly care about standing up for the interests of the people while fighting to push back against demonic darkness of those seeking to harm children, whether indirectly at Disneyland or in government schools where educators would rather indoctrinate students into becoming transgender zombies instead of teaching them reading, writing, arithmetic, and true American history, DeSantis has shown that Republicans no longer have to be afraid to stand up against the leftist Democrats, dragon media, or corrupt corporations like Disney World. Republicans like Susan Collins and Mitt Romney, Kevin McCarthy, and even the Tennessee Republican-dominated legislature, which recently ousted a Trump-supported congressional candidate, are as much of a force against the best interest of our republic as any Democrat. Hopefully, the winning example of Governor Ron DeSantis will soon be emulated by Republicans everywhere for the good of the republic. I'm Ron Edwards. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Getting walked back. It made it sound like just in the last couple days, uh, it sounded like you told U.S. troops they were going to Ukraine. It sounded like you said it was possible the U.S. would use a chemical weapon, and it sounded like you were calling for regime change in Russia. And we know none of the three occurred. None of the three. Occurred. None of the three. With the Ukrainian people, Ukrainian people have a lot of backbone. They have a lot of guts, and I'm sure you're observing it. And I don't mean just the military, which is we've been trained in since back when they uh, Russia moved into uh, in, in the southeast southeast um, Ukraine, but also the average citizen. Look at how they're stepping up. Look at how they're stepping up. And you're going to see when you're there. And you've, some of you've been there. And we know none of the three occurred. Weapons could, if chemical weapons were used in Ukraine, would that trigger a military spo- response from NATO? It would re- 
It would trigger a response in kind. And we know none of the three occurred. For God's sake, this man cannot remain power. And we know none of the three occurred. My name's Joe Biden. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. Joe Brandon, I agree. I mean, he has made clear that uh, 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 well, I've so uh, walk around the world to ease my troubled mind. Don't I'm thanking you. My body lying somewhere in the sands of time. No, well, no. I, I promise you, the, the president has a big stick. I keep forgetting I'm president. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. And it is my honor and indeed a privilege to welcome to the show today a author of eight different books, his most recent one, Life's Daily Treasure. He is a lifelong Texan. He's been down on the front lines. He is seeing exactly what is happening. So regardless of what the media might try to tell us, regardless of what certain politicians might try to tell us, this is a firsthand account. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Mr. Richard Battle. Uh, Richard, first of all, thank you for being with us this evening. As always, I greatly appreciate uh, the time that the folks uh, dedicate to coming on and telling the truth uh, for folks. And uh, before we dive into anything else, how are you today? Oh, good evening, Tim. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure, and we're doing fantastic. All right. Now, I do want to give you a chance to talk about uh, the book and uh, anything else you would like to uh, discuss before we uh, say our goodbyes this evening. But I just I want to jump right in. We've got a very timely topic going on. The border states have been taking the brunt of failed immigration policy for multiple presidencies now. Uh, Donald Trump was the first person to really tackle it head on and try to uh, put the American uh, first mentality into play. And uh, it's just been a back and forth and a battle ever since then. Uh, You as a Texan, you've got skin in that game, but we're now seeing such a ridiculous influx. The Barely there, Beijing Biden ideology, uh, which is somebody behind the scenes pulling the strings anyway. I, I don't believe that this is Joe Biden by choice. I think this is Joe Biden doing what he's being told. Of course, that's my thoughts. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Uh, but uh, you're there. You're seeing this. We're we're told to watch for these huge influx, and we're not even to the worst part of the season where these uh, illegal migrants uh, are at their uh, their highest numbers. We've been told to expect ridiculously large numbers. What does it look like right now from what you've seen? Well, it's been a catastrophe for over a year now, and I think you go back to the, the debates. Uh, Joe Biden during the debates said that we could handle up to 2 million people a year. And as soon as it was announced that he was going to be president, The cartel started forming the caravans in Central and South America and started heading them for the border. So by the time he was inaugurated in January of 2020, uh, we were overwhelmed down there. 
And historically, only the border states cared because most of the illegal aliens that would come in would stay in the border states. But that's not the game now. And the game now is the U.S. government is spending taxpayer money to fly or transport people all over the country in the dead of night. And so local communities are finding out that they have to spend their tax dollars, real tax dollars, not printed dollars, to put health care, housing, food, clothing, uh, everything for the immigrants, illegal aliens as the legal term, because they cannot take care of themselves. And so that is making every community a border community. And what is interesting to me, and I speak to a lot of different programs, is how many people around the country are now awake and seeing what's going on firsthand and recognize what a problem this is. Right. And, you know, that's an excellent point because before Biden, uh, before this administration, uh, all the internal movement was quiet. It was on the down low. We've never had so many federal taxpayer dollars going to transport people. Uh, We had the dead of night airplane flights, uh, of which I'm broadcasting out of Tennessee. Uh, Of course, the show was uh, syndicated in multiple states, but uh, I'm broadcasting here. We had some of these flights landing in Chattanooga, coming here in the dead of the night, arriving at uh, 2 and 3 in the morning, hoping that nobody would see it and nobody would catch it. Uh, You now have uh, these buses that have been going to various locations. And, uh, you know, a hat tip to Governor Abbott for deciding to give Biden a taste of his own medicine, rounding some of these folks up and sending them straight to D.C. But... Even with that, just to give that little taste, we're, it still exacerbates the issue. We have too many people coming across the border, unvetted, ignoring our actual asylum laws that state you should be coming through a legal port of entry if you're actually seeking asylum. And, of course, Biden tried to do away with the Remain in Mexico law, which is something I want to kind of touch on with you a little bit, too. But beyond that, the big major catastrophe that makes all this even worse is the only thing, the only tool that we've had in the toolbox has been this Title 42 used as a health uh, rationale to actually deport some of these folks. And that is set to expire. There seems to be zero interest in the Biden administration, even with some pressure now coming from Democrats that are in uh, purplish areas that are uh, due for midterm elections. Their seats are on the line. There still doesn't seem to be any interest whatsoever to extend Title 42 or to take any meaningful measures to try and get a handle on the border. Uh, Your thoughts on this uh, ending of Title 42? Well, first thing is the administration is getting exactly what they want now, which is an open border and an unlimited number of people coming into the country. That's exactly what they want. That's what they've wanted from the beginning. It's what they wanted when I've been down there. Uh, their motivation is not security. Their motivation is processing people and getting them out of sight as fast as possible so they don't show up on TV and make the administration look bad when they have to put them in cages, so to speak, or they show large numbers of people. And so that's their motivation. And Title 42 is only a piece of this, and I'm more worried about another piece that's not getting as much news right now. Uh, Title 42 is set to expire. 
There are Democrats pressuring the administration, but the administration's already not enforcing it totally right now. They're letting people who are inconvenient to deport, they're letting them stay in the country already. So they're not enforcing the law. And what is going to be worse, uh, technically when illegals come in and ask for asylum, they are assigned a date to appear in an immigration court. Well, with the overwhelming of numbers that have been coming in, the administration relaxed that and just gave them a piece of paper saying it's your responsibility to appear within X number of days. And we know that virtually none of the people do that. And now the administration, concurrent with Title 42 going away, is going to basically conduct asylum hearings on the spot using Border Patrol agents as opposed to having people have to show up in an asylum court so that they can process those people faster and it makes it look like the asylum courts are more efficient. All right. And, and that's that's <laughs> yeah, it, it leaves me speechless, uh, Richard. I, I I hear this and you know, I had read a little bit about that. I hadn't gotten too uh, deeply into it, so I'm glad you're bringing it up because I would have completely missed the ball on this and not brought it up to, today in our conversation, so thank you. But it, how absurd is it that this is the plan? This is the idea. They have been abusing uh, the Border Patrol agents. They have been accusing them of criminal activities, you know, whipping people on horseback. They've made all kinds of accusations, and they continue to put more and more pressure on these folks. And now they legitimately want to have border officers deciding asylum claims. Uh, It's bad enough that we've been moving towards a – a mindset where it seems like we should have judges specifically specializing in asylum claims. And, and again, they're not following asylum law and even accepting these claims when they catch somebody having illegally crossed. I, I keep mentioning that because folks on the left want to kind of breeze right by it. They want to uh, pretend like it doesn't exist. We do have laws on the books that they've just been choosing to ignore. But how absurd is that? At, at this point, Richard, why does anybody continue to work as a border guard? Well, that, that's a great question. And, and the first thing is the media is not reporting this particular situation, so I condemn them first. Uh, when I went down to McAllen a few months back and I spent the day with a public affairs officer for the Texas Department of Public Safety down there, and we were talking about Border Patrol versus Texas Department of Public Safety officers, and he was telling me that the Border Patrol morale was extremely low because they had not had the backing of the administration, and it's done nothing but get worse since then, but yet the Texas Department of Public Safety morale was high because Governor Abbott and the state had backed them and given them the resources they needed. And Governor Abbott had said any Border Patrol agent that lost their job because they weren't vaccinated or another reason, the state of Texas would hire them. Uh, Speaking of uh, Governor Abbott, that's the second time we brought him up. Uh, 
how is he doing down there? I mean, we we get to see the the bluster and the fanfare, and obviously part of this is uh, him seeking reelection. And surely, the goodness against Beto, uh, he should have a pretty good chance of being reelected. Uh, but uh, how is he doing? How is he handling for real outside of his uh, image? What's the real deal going on there? Because I hear people saying different things, uh, and I have yet to actually get to speak to somebody uh, from Texas that wasn't involved in an election for one candidate or another. So you're actually the first person from Texas uh, since this election cycle started that's not in a campaign. Uh, how is he doing? Is is this – is this a real thing? Is he going to continue? Is the border wall that he's talking about building really happening? Uh, how's he doing? <laughs> well, and that's two questions. As far as the campaign, and you're right, I'm not involved with any campaign. And uh, the information you see, of course, you see public information, and I'm suspect of it. Mm-hmm. But there was something very revealing that happened Tuesday. And Robert Francis O'Rourke, who tries to go by the name Beto, so he makes himself look Hispanic when he's Irish, uh, Sunday, he basically came out and said Title 42 needed to go. Within 48 hours on Tuesday, he did a 180 and said Title 42 needed to remain. And to me, that was the most revealing data that I've seen with as far as how the election's going to see him turn that fast and change his position. Now, Governor Abbott started last year Operation Lone Star, and it's a $1.8 billion budget to try to complete border wall, uh, increase border security, add more people, add more resources. Uh, It's going, I believe, very well. Uh, We could use more help from other states, but we've had states that have helped us sending money and people here to help. Uh, But one of the things I saw when I was there that infuriated me as a U.S. taxpayer, in addition to being a Texan, was when I went to the wall section down there uh, by La Jolla, which you see on TV all the time, uh, right next to a section of the wall, their latest stack of border wall material. And the DPS officer explained to me that that material had been paid for by the U.S. government, the labor to install it had been paid for by the U.S. government. Uh, President Biden canceled that order when he came into office. The state of Texas had offered to buy that material from the U.S. government, which would give the U.S. government some money back on that material. But the U.S. government refuses to sell that material to the state of Texas. And to me, that is totally irresponsible uh, anyone that has fiduciary responsibility as an elected official. Yeah. Well, it's not as if uh, Joe has managed to uh, get very many things right. Uh, I think about the only thing that uh, on the regular uh, he manages to get correct when he's speaking publicly is his name. And even then, about half the time, he forgets what office he's holding. And uh, even during the campaign, he forgot what he was running for. So it's not like we can expect good things from this administration. I'm not 100 percent certain exactly who it is that's uh, making all these decisions. But I do know that Joe Biden has never been an ideologue. He's always been the type of politician that would uh, check which direction the wind's blowing. But I I don't know if this is a case of that mental impairment that it certainly looks like is increasing. And, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't like uh, casting dispersions. Uh, 
I almost feel sorry for him sometimes until I take a few minutes and remember the kind of senator he's been for most of his career. He's been kind of a mean guy. I don't know why folks don't remember that. Uh, But it's one of these instances where it's either somebody's just nudging him so far and he's not really paying attention or he's trapped in that bubble. There are so many people inside that D.C. Uh, elitist bubble where they honestly think the the rest of us out here living in the country proper, we, we don't understand what's going on. We're not smart enough to figure out what's happening, and we can't uh, realize for ourselves why we need an open border. So they, they're going to give it to us whether whether we want it or not because we're not in that position. Based on what you've well, seen – uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and uh, it's interesting to me is I talk to different people, and people will say, well, they're not getting it right. Well, I, right or wrong, and I think it's wrong, uh, I think that they are getting exactly what they want. Yeah. And what is happen- happening is purposeful, and we need to stop giving them the benefit of the doubt that they're making wrong decisions. Uh, whether we think they're wrong or not, they are making the decisions they want. The only way we're going to stop the decisions that are being made now is at the election at midterm and the election in 2024, because they are not going to change their opinion based on Republican pressure. The only possibility is if there's enough Democrat pressure on the White House to get them to modify some of their behavior. Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious uh, right now we're all hurting this economy, the level of inflation. Uh, we're taking hits at the administration trying to rewrite history uh, that is recent, uh, you know, trying to, to blame the uh, inflation on Putin, which, you know, granted, it, the, the things going on in Ukraine have not helped anything here as far as our economy is concerned. But uh, he's not the one that shut down the uh, XL pipeline. He, he's not the one who uh, decided that we were going to uh, force mandates on folks to the point that uh, people weren't going to be able to continue working without taking a shot that still, whether they want to admit it or not, uh, is still in the experimental phases. I mean, uh, emergency authorization is not the same thing as years of data to check safety. So I believe personally that everyone's in their – their their personal right to say no i would rather not uh, take an experimental uh, shot i'd rather take my chances with something else at least until the data's in and we know more about it but all that having been said uh there are enough democratic voters now that are feeling the pain that are, that are not believing uh, what they're being told anymore the way they had been before. We even see uh, studies now saying that a lot of young people are, are starting to walk away from social media and praise the Lord for that. But when it comes down to it, you're absolutely right. I, I have given up believing uh, some time ago on the idea of unintended consequences. I think we are far enough down the road that we've seen people who understand what happens when you do this compared to what happens when you do that. When the policies are put in place, they've got a pretty good idea of what's going to happen. So I, I agree with you in that statement. They are getting what they want. This is part of what they want. The question, based on the folks that you've had a chance to talk to in that firsthand, do you have any idea what the end goal is? Why does it seem like the federal government wants to spread illegal migrants all throughout our country other than just this misconception out there that it's just a matter of trying to 
to create a, a constant underclass that they feel like the Democratic Party can take advantage of? Well, everyone will talk about uh, the Democrats are importing future voters, mm. and I think that's that's probably a given. But the one thing that's not talked about very often is there is a large group of people in this country that want low-cost labor imported. And so to me, that's the other piece of this because at some point these people are going to have to work if they're going to stay in the country regardless of whether it's legal or not uh, because they're going to they're going to be on the dole but they're going to want off of that dole and to earn some income at some point and so to me companies are going to be putting pressure on for employing these people because of the low unemployment rate we have right now but i think that that's an artificial number compared to the the U6 number, which is, includes the people who are not looking for work. Uh, so I think importing low-price labor, and there are some Republicans that want that as much as the Democrats. Yeah. yeah unfortunately, uh, having an R at the end of your name doesn't mean that you're a conservative constitutionalist. Uh, but isn't that kind of the old model, though? Isn't that the blue blood Republicans that, uh, yes, Jeeves, I, I definitely would like to have uh, Emilio uh, back out in the garden later this afternoon. Uh, I mean, I get that. The, the, it has been that permanent underclass that the Democrats want voters and uh, the blue blood Republicans want the cheap labor and big business wants the cheap labor. But I think we're seeing a, a sea change in how that uh, goes. We've got folks uh, predominantly coming from much further away than Mexico. In fact, uh, actual Mexicans make up such a small percentage of our illegal border crossers now that it's almost funny that Mexico still lets these people come through at all. These are all people that are <laughs> invading their country. But they're coming from places where their economy is so bad that living on the dole and getting their housing and medical taken care of is a huge upgrade. I don't know that there's that same motivation to, to fill those low uh, jobs that we used to have. Uh, do you really think that that's all there is to it, or is there maybe just kind of a Cloward and Piven effort by some of these globalists that want to push us into the more one-world uh, type of mentality? Because I used to think that was tinfoil hat territory, and now that feels more and more like what's happening. But still, love to get your thoughts on that. Well, I, I think that's that's part of it, too. And just remember, right now, when these people come into the country, they've hit the lottery because they are going to be taken care of better than most of them lived in the countries they came from. And that magnet is there. If we wanted to deter people from coming, we would not have that magnet of the lottery hit. Uh, they always say you tax things you want less of and you subsidize things you want more of. Well, we're incentivizing people to come with that lottery, and you're right. When I was down there uh, a few months ago, I was told by the Department of Public Safety that in the first nine months of the year last year, they had intercept, intercepted people from 150 countries. So when you think, and people want to make it a racial issue, there's people coming from the Ukraine, Russia, there's people coming from Asia, the Middle East. Africa, all over the world are coming through the southern border now. It's not just Mexico. It's not just the Northern Triangle. And so when the vice president flippantly said she was going to the Northern Triangle to discover what the root cause of illegal immigration was, I, I could have saved her the expense and told her just go look in the mirror. 
And she and Joe Biden are the root cause of the illegal immigration surge. Yeah, I, there's just no other way to put around it. it. It's them and their ilk and and all the other uh, folks that are setting the agenda. And, uh, you know, there's the ones we know about. There's the ones we don't. Uh, and at the end of the day, it still comes around to uh, very bad things for America as a whole. And we're not doing them any favors either. I, that's the one thing when you talk to the grassroots activists, the folks that are – uh, the folks that were protesting on the border uh, when uh, Donald Trump was president and he was trying to, to put the wall in place and trying to get a handle on things and get better vetting techniques. Those folks <coughs> – excuse me. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, those folks claimed uh, to, to – they were making cries of foul. They wanted to claim compassion, and yet their idea of compassion, uh, it encourages human trafficking. It encourages – uh, kidnapping, it encourages drug running, uh, it puts these people in a bad way also just so that they have a chance to get here, a country that most of them claim to hate. I mean, it's very telling. Why does everyone else want to come here if it's so bad? But it's more compassionate to try to help these people fix their problems at home than to just leave the welcome mat out and pretend like we can just bring in as many as uh, want to come here, isn't it? Well, yes, and, and there's a couple of things that the media, I think, has not reported as well as I wish they would. When, when Trump was being accused of separating children from adults, the reason they did that was not to be mean. The reason they did that is because family units are let into the country at, at a much better number than single males. And so single males will pay the cartel for a child to accompany them across the border. Once they get across the border, they discard the child. And so when the Trump administration would capture an adult and a child, they separated them first, did DNA tests to see if they were related or if this was an adult that had paid to have that minor come with them. And that was never really fully explained by the media. And so what the cartel does now is they organize and they give these people wristbands. It's almost like a tour group that the cartel organizes. Uh, when I was down there, we were at the a border area where they processed illegals, and all of a sudden a couple of buses rolled up, and my DPS uh, rep told me, yeah, they must be expecting a large group to come across. And so they knew they were coming, and they were setting up the processing center versus sending them back or stopping them. It was almost like – our government was tour guide operators. Yeah. And then what the cartel does is when they send the family units across, uh, the DPS and Border Patrol agents catch them. They have to process them, uh, handle them. And while that's going on, then what they call the runners of the gotaways are going around undetected and hauling drugs, uh, sex trafficking, weapons, uh, the fentanyl numbers are around the country are off the charts right now, uh, drugs being brought in. And so there are so many tactics being used to try to bypass law enforcement as well as import all these illegal aliens. Yeah, yeah I'm glad you brought up the, uh, the thing about the uh, children, too, because uh, back when that was first going on, in the first few months of that separation, uh, I spent a lot of time talking about it on this broadcast. Uh, the numbers of the percentage of unrelated 
children and adult males was nearly 40% during those first three months. And it started dropping uh, pretty quickly after that when they realized they were being found out and the tactic wasn't working so well. But again, you bring up the, the, the gotaways too, and, and that to me is the scariest aspect of the whole thing at the border because we can only quantify what we deal with, and we know we're not getting anywhere near the totals. If they're expecting 18,000 a day that we catch, how many gotaways are we going to be facing when things get really bad here in a little bit? Uh, Richard, uh, we're getting really close to 30 minutes, and, and I had – thought we'd do about 15 to 20 and like i said before we got started that uh, i didn't want to interrupt if we got going pretty well and i definitely want to give you a chance to talk about uh, your most recent book uh, before we go now you're a, a prolific writer you've uh, got eight different books out there but your most recent one is life's daily treasure uh, this is actually uh, filled with uh, positivity and good stuff and after the conversation we just had i think we need to talk a little bit about some positivity and some good stuff uh, tell us a little bit about well the absolutely and the motivation for this book came in the fall of 2020 as we were going through all the animosity of the election. We had people riding in the streets. There were people trashing the country, which irritated me. Uh, we had COVID going on. And so I was looking for things that would help inspire me and lift my spirits and keep me from being down. And there were so many people that were, were depressed and down at that time. And so as I found things that would help me be more motivated and inspired and help me recognize what a great country we live in, I had the inspiration, why not share this with other people? And so I, Life's Daily Treasure has 366 listings, one for every day of the year, including leap year. Each day has a subject, 1 through 31 for the month. So 17th of the month is encouragement, for example. And each day has six listings, an inspirational quote and two motivational quotes that are tied to the subject. And then there are three listings that are celebrating America, a birthday of a famous American, a, a historical event, and a national day celebration. So someone can look at it once a day for a minute to two minutes, and I guarantee it will lift your spirits and make you feel better about yourself, about your country, and about your, chasing your dreams. I can't think of a better time to have that book sitting on your shelf, your end table, or uh, in your library if you're fortunate enough to have one. Uh, Richard, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. As always, I greatly appreciate uh, anybody that is doing the hard work and, uh, you know, the time you put into writing and then the perspective you have going out and talking to these people and getting involved to the point that you are, you become a resource, you become uh, a, a force in and of yourself. And uh, the new book, uh, well, the latest book, uh, phenomenal. I'm glad it's available. want to encourage anybody who doesn't already have a copy to go out there and get one. Uh, before I let you go for good here, sir, uh, please let everybody know where they can find your work, share any websites you would like to share. And if you're inviting anybody to follow you on social media these days, if you want to throw your handles out there, uh, please take this opportunity to do that as well. Well, thank you. Uh, my website's richardbattle.com. All the books are available there, Amazon, other booksellers. There's audio and Kindle versions as well. 
Uh, I'm on all the social medias and under Richard V. Battle, under uh, some, I believe, Getters RV Battle. But uh, you can look Richard Battle up and you'll find me, and we would love to hear from anybody. We speak around the country and advise businesses as well as uh, do media commentary. All right. Again, thank you so much for being with us tonight. And uh, we'll definitely have to get back together and do it again sometime soon. Uh, God bless. Keep up the good work, sir. Tim, thank you so much. I'd be happy to join you. And God bless America. All right. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Richard V. Battle and uh, great American, period. Uh, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, be sure to check out uh, the website and all the other goodies. Uh, we will continue after this brief break. Our Constitution is a document in which we the people tell the government what it is allowed to do. We the people are free. Just a song before I go To whom it may concern It's easy to get burned I said it would be a very brief break, and indeed it is, as we did the regular break early, just to make sure that I could fit all of that in. I've got a few minutes left at the end, and this gives me the perfect opportunity to remind you, first and foremost, there will be a link to uh, Mr. Battle's website in today's show description if you're fortunate enough to be visiting us via podcast if you're listening to terrestrial radio however you'll have to come visit me at tap into the truth.com that's t-a-p-p into the truth.com and you will find a link there uh, on the home page directly under recent guests and yes i have finally gotten around just trying to update everything uh i i've apologized a million times about leaving things like they were uh for so long I've been a bad boy, but I, you know, it's a one man show and, uh, until I can afford to hire some help, it may take me a minute to get everything done. All right. Glad to have you here. As always, we are getting very near the end of the first hour. Uh, so for those of you that are listening on terrestrial radio, I will be saying goodbye to you here very shortly, but be sure to tune in again tomorrow at the same time, depending on whatever station you're listening to. And you'll get to hear hour number two of today's broadcast. Also would like to take this opportunity to remind you that uh, there is only one way to truly enjoy all the blessings of liberty, and that is to be individually responsible. And in order to be responsible for yourself, you also have to be self-reliant. And nobody has been helping you to be self-reliant longer than the fine folks at My Patriot Supply. If you'll go down into the show description, you will also see a link that will take you to My Patriot Supply. But it is a link that if you utilize the entire link, it will also let them know that I sent you. So with the upcoming food shortages that are pretty much guaranteed at this point, even Joe Biden has been telling you, hey, they're real and they're coming. It'd be a good time to uh, make sure that you have a nice supply just in case the worst 
is worse than we imagine. I'm not trying to scare you, just encouraging you to be prepared. And being prepared is a good thing. So if you, again, are not listening to the podcast, then uh, you can come visit me at tapintothetruth.com. And then if you'll scroll down past where all the recent guests have been located on that page, you will then be able to connect. Uh, You'll see banners and buttons, and uh, one of those buttons will take you to my Patriot Supply. So hitting that will also do the same thing. You'll help to support this show as well as prepare for the hard times that are coming. Similar things also in line for uh, Built Bar, which is also going to be very helpful. It would be a good idea to get as many Built Bars in place as you can. Uh, Also to help fight off that hunger that may result. It's good for you. High protein, uh, relatively low calories, but uh, it's still... Still a candy bar, guys. I don't care what else they call it. It's a candy bar. It tastes good. If you got a sweet tooth like I do, Built Bar goes a long way towards helping to satisfy that. And as long as you don't eat way too many of them, as I've been known to do, uh, you're probably going to be healthier for having eaten that instead of, I don't know, uh, say the Reese Cups or the Three Musketeer Bars that so so often are crawling my name and back those guys should probably pay me for mentioning them on air anyway that's going to be uh that's going to be something that you probably should look into and again link in the show description to those two locations or if you're listening to terrestrial radio or if you're just out and about doing something while you're listening to the podcast and decide to come home and you're trying to remember what what was that uh, website, he said. Just remember to come visit me at tapintothetruth.com. It'll be a lot easier. Quick reminder, too, before we run completely out of time, A.J. Rice's new book, The Woking Dead, that will be out officially available at the end of July. Go ahead and pre-order now. A link to the uh, Amazon page to pre-order will be in the show description as well. Plus, you can also come visit me at tapintothetruth.com, and uh, we will be doing a giveaway for that new book. You guys already know the rules if you've already been listening. If not, uh, listen to hour number two, and I will give you a better explanation. In the meanwhile, one last message for Joe Biden before I remind you to uh, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth if you're listening to the podcast don't go anywhere hour number two starts right after this if you're on terrestrial radio one more time tune in the same time tomorrow and that uh, hey joe this is tim tap let's go
She was different in his eyes They built careers and had a kid Tried to live like their parents did But both their parties taxed them close to death They learned to hate the public schools Watch TV Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. I'm so tired of trickle down economics. I never found that trickle down on top of my head very much. I was listed, I was had the great pleasure of being listed as the poorest man in Congress for 36 years. I still had making a hell of a lot more money than anybody else because I was getting a senator's salary. No kidding. I didn't think you should make money while you're in office. Say is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people try to cross the border. And politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got a big free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn you wet. Taking your right to self-defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell pay. I've gotta be free.
Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapcomatia from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And so very glad to have you here with me today, as is always the case. No matter where you're listening, from, no matter what platform you're listening to, and no matter how many days have passed since this broadcast was live, I'm always happy to have you here. Now, for the benefit of those of you who are, in fact, hearing the rebroadcast on terrestrial radio, or if you're just several days in and didn't bother to pay attention to the date on the uh, podcast listing, time of the live broadcast happens to be on April 24th, 2022. This is the second hour of a two-hour live broadcast, and uh, for those of you that are listening live, always happy to have you here. Uh, We are expanding the live audience, and we are expanding the listening audience as we are very, very close to being able to make an announcement about some brand new terrestrial stations coming online to the show, uh, doing rebroadcast, and possibly even, if the stars align, uh, getting back to some live broadcasting as well uh, directly on some of these platforms. I have kind of missed that. Uh, it's been a situation where uh, most of the stations that we were attached to previously – uh, were, of course, airing rebroadcasts, but uh, at the start of last year, we lost uh, several of them uh, due to reformatting or, and sadly, in one case, just going completely out of business. But uh, those expansions are coming, and I will be so very happy once everything's a done deal, all the T's are crossed and I's are dotted, and we can make official announcements then. But uh, good things are in uh, the works. That's the point. Of course, I have been this close before, and things have uh, fallen through, so we'll see what happens. You know, I'm cautiously optimistic. Part of the reason for my optimism is I got to spend part of the day yesterday uh, watching one of my daughters get married. And uh, it is always a surreal experience when your children uh, move on to that stage of their life, and, you know, despite... A multitude of things that have transpired uh, over the years. It was such a beautiful moment, and uh, it was very touching for me. And I didn't bring it up in the first hour just because I wanted to make sure that we got the uh, pre-recorded interview in. And I wanted to make sure that we discussed the fact that we have this young man from Texas who's who's lost his life, and at the time of the broadcast, when I first went on air, they still hadn't found his body, despite the fact that it's been a couple of days now. He lost his life trying to rescue illegal border crossers who just so happened to end up being drug smugglers. And it is, it would be a tragedy even if these were salt-of-the-earth people that he had saved, to sacrifice himself to try to save these people. But it becomes even more tragic under this particular circumstance because these are not good people. And these were not people who were coming here for a better life. They were people who were coming here to try to help further ruin the lives of those of us here that have problems and turn to drugs very tragic. 
makes the tragedy worse. But the most tragic part is the failures of the Biden administration's border policies. Essentially the same thing as Obama's border policies, except uh, times, times about three or four. Looking to extend it even more. But I digress. I go back to the joy that I had yesterday and the reason why I have optimism for the future. Now, I'm not going to go into a lot of details, but it was uh, suffice to say that circumstances have not always been ideal. But it was a beautiful day, and I was so very proud to be part of it. With that having been said, let's uh, let's get to business of the day. I'm going to try to sneak three stories into the second hour. You know, I very rarely manage to do that. But I want to jump right in with the fact that uh, it's a done deal with Disney. You know, when we last got together, the Senate had passed their bill that would have removed all of Disney's special self-governance rules and tax breaks that had previously existed within the state of Florida. There was still a lot of question and debate as to whether or not that would still amount to anything, but it passed the House uh, very easily, and now Ron DeSantis has signed that bill, so it's over. Disney's days of preferential treatment are done in the state of Florida. Now, I'll go a little more into that, but before I do it, I do want to address the fact that there are several people that have an R stuck at the end of their name uh, who are concerned about how this is retaliatory against those who are simply expressing their freedom of speech. Now, if Disney had not been given special privileges that not every other business in the state gets to have – I would probably be on that side of the argument. I would probably be very much – even though I despise them being so wrong and I despise them taking the side of groomer behavior, and groomer is the appropriate word. Isn't it sad that the left wants to try to turn this into a debate about using the word groomer? And try to convince you that trans children are going to die because of this when both of those are simply not true. There is no controversy. Groomer is the right word. They're utilizing this ideology and this indoctrination level. They want to use the public schools to develop this notion in your children's minds that there should be a certain level of dysphoric confusion. They want to do these things because they know if you wait till college, it may be too late. They want to do these things younger and younger because they know that even high schoolers, while they are still malleable, can still be far more heavily influenced by the teachings that their family have put in place before they got there. Now, they've always had a certain level of success at changing the thought processes of the malleable minds, college students, and then later high school students, and now as young as they can get their little hooks into them. But at the end of the day, the deal is done. Florida has made this move, and Florida is standing up for parental rights and education, and Florida's standing up for protecting the children from being indoctrinated instead of being educated. 
There's still so many falsehoods and so many flat-out lies being told about this don't-say-gay law, which I'm still trying to figure out what law are they talking about because there is no such law in Florida. There is no don't-say-gay law. It does not exist. There was never a don't-say-gay bill. Never. Doesn't exist. Never existed. It was a false labeling that was put on by activists who for some reason thought it was fully appropriate for teachers to be talking about sexual activities for kindergartners and first graders and second graders and third graders. There's something inherently wrong about thinking that that's an appropriate conversation to have. And even when you look at this, it doesn't even prevent the conversations from happening. It just means they can't be part of the official curriculum. The left should be looking at this as actually a victory because it still allows them to have the conversations that they can find a creative way to bring it up instead of it being in the curriculum. And nobody will face any type of ramifications. It will allow for this level of indoctrination to still continue, and these conversations will be taking place previous to what is currently legally allowed for sex education in the state of Florida to begin with, which isn't legally uh, permitted until sixth grade. That part of the law hasn't changed, but we're talking about now isn't really sex education. It's gender theory that's being pushed upon small children. Well, in Florida, there will be some level of ramifications if you violate this law. So that, to me, is a good thing. I'm on board with that, and if you're going to take it out on Disney, well, Disney kind of had it coming. They they were getting special privileges, and they should have stayed out of the way. And if they wanted to wade into the realm of politics that are outside of what directly affects their industry, well, at that point, they should expect that any special privileges they had should just go away. I mean, it's, it's clear-cut. DeSantis signed into law this past Friday a bill that stripped away Walt Disney companies from being able to govern the land where Disney World theme parks is located, and a bill that effectively blocks critical race theory from being pushed in classrooms. So he passed two, two bills signed into law. So in reference to the bill ending Disney's special tax privileges in the state, DeSantis said, quote, I'm just not comfortable having that type of agenda get special treatment in my state. This bill, now law, eliminates the Reedy Creek Improvement District, which exempted Disney from numerous regulations and taxes and fees and reportedly saves the company tens of millions of dollars a year. Disney's ability to govern the area was created when the Reedy Creek Improvement Act was signed into law back in May of 1967. The local government did not have the resources needed to help bring Disney's 25,000-acre plan to fruition, so the Reedy Creek Improvement District was established to give Disney the same authority as a county-level government. This, of course, was when Walt Disney was trying to build the city of the future. 
the city of tomorrow. Eventually, he just settled for having Epcot Center on the uh, theme park. But the goal, actually, was to create a fully functioning, very futuristic city that would allow true community. It was a very unique designs he had in mind, too. Uh, well worth spending some time looking at if, if you happen to have the time to do so. Now, DeSantis commented on the Stop Woke Act as well, saying, quote, We're not going to teach our kids to hate this country or to hate each other. The law, which will go into effect on July 1st, prohibits Florida's public schools and private businesses from making people feel uncomfortable or guilty over their race, sex, or national origin. The bill going into effect as a law states that teachers would be able to talk about topics like sexism, racism, slavery, and racial segregation, but they can't persuade students to a particular viewpoint. Imagine that. Just present the facts and let the kids think for themselves. What a, what a novel idea, teaching some critical thinking. That seems dangerous to the goals and agendas of the left, doesn't it, boys and girls? The governor's office also noted that the bill, now law, also expands instruction of African-American history to develop students' understanding of the ramifications of prejudice and racism. DeSantis' office highlighted concepts that constitute unlawful discrimination. A few bullet points from that excuse me, include that members of one race, color, national origin, or sex are morally superior to members of another race, color, national origin, or sex. Another bullet point, a person by virtue of their race or sex is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive. A person's moral character or status as privileged or oppressed is determined by race, color, national origin, or sex. And a person, by virtue of race, color, national origin, or sex, should be discriminated against or receive adverse treatment to achieve diversity, equity, or inclusion. Now, Christopher Rufo, senior fellow and director of the Initiative on Critical Race Theory at the Manhattan Institute, he had a lot of... Uh, a lot of praise for DeSantis in signing the law. He said, quote, critical race theory takes people and segregates them against each other. Individualism is not exclusive for any race, and it is not patronizing to say people have different work ethics based on their skin color. We are in the initial stages down a dark path, but luckily... Community leaders have said, not in this state, not in this country. I think it is a testament to the legislatures in Florida and the greatest governor in the country right now standing up to these people. He stood up for the lies. I'm sorry. He stood up to the lies. He stood up to the ideologues, and he stood up to the big corporations because he is on your side and he's not going to back down. Now, Christopher Rufo has been a leading name in trying to push back against CRT in the schools. 
racial essentialism is really what we're talking about when we discuss that particular issue. The idea that a lot of critical race theory is based upon. Now, critical race theory proper is an actual theory that's typically taught in law school. And the reason why an educator or a school board member can look you dead in the eye and with a straight face tell you that critical race theory is not being taught in your local elementary school or your local high school is because they, in their mind, do the gymnastics that say, okay, well, critical race theory is this very specific thing that's only being taught in law school. What we're doing is we're taking racial essentialism, which is a fundamental building block of CRT, and we're teaching precepts from that. But that's not critical race theory. So we're not teaching critical race theory to your children. Uh, leave us alone. You see, the teachers are failing all the way around, though. I, if if you're a good teacher somewhere and you're fighting this, then God bless you and good luck and and keep fighting. But at some point, you're just going to have to make a stand and you're going to have to walk away too. Most places, if you're in most places, you don't have to be a member of a teacher's union to be a teacher. So if you're a member of the unions, you're still helping to create the problem. I'm, I've been somebody that's called for the ending of the Department of Education at the federal level for a long time because the feds really shouldn't be playing a part. They shouldn't have a carrot to dangle. But uh, some folks that are on the fence in a position of saying, well, if we want those millions of dollars that are going to come from the federal government, we have to follow their racial essentialism programs. But I'm sorry. If you're not standing up and fighting against this, you have become part of the problem yourself. So get out of the unions if you're a teacher. Walk away from the the schools that are going to force you to do something that you're not willing or prepared to do. Don't just whine about not liking that it's part of the curriculum now, but stand up for your children and protect them from the lies that are in that curriculum. You should not be teaching, especially if you're an elementary school teacher, you should not be teaching your students that I'm sorry, but uh, you're an oppressor and there's nothing you can do Nothing you can do to change that because you were born white. The only way that that's not going to apply to you anymore is if you become part of a different group. So you need to either be gay or be trans now. Otherwise, you're still just an oppressor. You do get to become the oppressed if you're in one of those marginalized groups. Marginalized. Who is it exactly who's put these people in the margins, by the way? I would indicate that it's probably some of the leftists we know. But, you know, I'm just a guy. Going to go ahead and take the mid-hour break right now. And when we uh, get on the other side, we're going to discuss a little more about things that are going on with the teachers' unions. Because... 
if you're a member of a teacher's union and you're paying your dues, you are part of the problem too. At least you're helping to propagate the problem. And part of the problem now is the teachers' unions are starting to push back because they don't like states doing what they're doing. They don't like the idea that parents might get some level of say-so again. They don't like being reminded that the teachers work for the parents. And that's the bottom line. Stay where you're at. We'll get started right after this brief break. I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tapp and Tap Into the Truth. Silicon Valley tech giant seeking to jointly rule of the United States along with certain political elites considers Elon Musk a bigger threat to their deviant leftist agenda than President Trump ever was. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, it's true the leftist axes of evil comprising of techie corporate elites, leftist politicians, and the dragon media ruined President Trump's chances of regaining the White House because he stood in the way of their mission to literally destroy our republic. Today, the leftists are circling their wagons to try and mangle Elon Musk, whom they consider to be more dangerous than Trump. Musk, like Trump, is in favor of freedom of speech and has a higher regard for our Constitution and Bill of rights than final Republicans like Susan Collins. Elon Musk's offer to purchase Twitter for $43 billion infuriated the leftist high-tech gurus because it is a strategic move to open the floodgates for freedom of speech. So now, Musk's threat to globalism has set the stage for a massive chess match between liberty and tyranny. The move by Twitter bigwigs to block shareholders from deciding whether or not to do business with Mr. Musk could backfire, relighting the flame of freedom of speech and expression. I'm Ron Edwards. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree. Everything is awesome. We have the ability to see what can be, unburdened by what has been, and then to make the possible actually happen. Everything is awesome. I think everyone here recognizes how extraordinary space is. Whether it is satellites that orbit the Earth, humans that land on the moon, or telescopes that peer into the furthest reaches of the universe. Space is exciting. It spurs our imaginations. And it forces us to ask big questions. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of the team. Everything is awesome when we live. My name's Joe Biden. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. 
Joe Brandon, I agree. I mean, he has made clear that uh, 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 lots of walk around the world to ease my trouble. Don't I'm thanking you. No, no. I promise you, the president has a big stick. I keep forgetting I'm president. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. I want to take this opportunity to remind you that if you're listening to the rebroadcast on Terrestrial Radio, then you are hearing the second hour of a live broadcast. Back in the first hour, we featured a great conversation that I had with author and lifelong Texan Richard V. Battle. Definitely want to encourage you to go back into the archives of the show and give that a listen if you missed it. Also want to take this opportunity to remind you that when we are talking about the topics that we discuss here quite frequently, it's very easy to get a, a kind of a grimy, a filmy feeling, just delving into all the darkness and, and all the ickiness. And so you might need a little help getting clean. And uh, if you're thinking a lot like I do, that you want to support companies that are America first, but they're going to help you get clean, then the fine folks over at the Hero Soap Company are probably the best way to go. Uh, Hero Soap uh, has all kinds of great things going on over there. If you indeed believe in America first, they source their materials uh, by American products and by American companies when the item itself can't be sourced in the United States. And they give to charities that help our veterans, that help our current active duty military, that help our first responders, uh, all of our heroes, men and women in uniform. And so uh, they're a great company to do business with. They've even got this great program called the Sub. Subscription, not a subscription, but a sud, as in soap suds. Get it? Haha, <laughs> see what they did there? Pretty clever. And if you want to check them out and possibly decide that you want to get a subscription, or even if you just want to buy some of their merchandise, they got some great t shirts and hats over there. Uh, check out the uh, link in the show description if you do see it. Some of the platforms that carry the show, part of the link may be live. Uh, if the entire link is not live, please don't click it. It may get you there or it may not. Uh, but if you really want to help support the show in the process, if you will copy the entire link and then paste that into your web browser, that'll take you over there to see everything Hero Soap has going on. Plus, it helps to support the show if you make a purchase. It's a small little commission. That's all. Finders fee, really. And uh, what could be better than... Feeling clean again after all these conversations we have. 
supporting an American first small business and uh, helping to support uh, this uh, radio show. Uh, what could be what could be better than all those things combined? Well, I'm only asking because I figure if you've listened this far into the show, maybe you believe in the merit of the program. All right. So, uh, again, if you can't get to the link, if you're not listening to the podcast, uh, then just come visit me over at Tap Into The Truth. That's T-A-P-P, Into The Truth, all one word, dot com. And then scroll down past the recent guest sections on the homepage. And from there, you will be able to find banners and buttons, uh, one for... Uh, Hero Soap Company, you'll see some for My Patriot Supply, you'll see some for Built Bar, and you'll see some for various other items and books as well. So by all means, come check out, uh, come visit, uh, and don't just contain yourself to the homepage once you're there, though. Uh, visit some of the other pages. You might find some interesting things you might just be interested in. All right. That being said, let's uh, dive into this. Otherwise, there's no way I'll get to both of the stories I'm trying to get to. Previously, I was discussing when it came to the things that Ron DeSantis has done to this point, uh, the direction that education must now take. Because Ron DeSantis and a few other states have also done as much, just not with the same level of fanfare, because nobody else has been taking on Disney head on and coming out on top of that fight. Uh, so Ron DeSantis gets a lot of credit, but some other states have been doing similar things as far as trying to protect our children. In school, and this, of course, is drawing the ire of certain teachers' unions. In fact, uh, Randy uh, Weregarden, president of the American Federation of Teachers Union, she was speaking about the conservative movements to put parents back in control of classroom dialogue. In a recent interview, she was appearing on a show called the Rick Smith Show, where Miss Weingarten blasted those who are pushing for changes to classroom structure, especially after the pandemic. Weingartner and Smith discussed recent changes in education, such as removing certain books. Weingartner said, quote, Instead of everybody joining together in America to get us out of the effects of the pandemic, these right-wing ideologues are just trying to create fear and anxiety and anger, exploiting the fear that parents already have in order to win elections and end public education as we know it. It's unconscionable. Uh, yeah, except that's not really what's happening. But I'll come back around because I wanted to tell you what the host of the show, Mr. Rick Smith, said. Because he noted that he has children and knows the teachers. Going on to claim that none of the stuff that they're telling us happened. That stuff on CRT wasn't going on. The indoctrination that they're telling us is rampant. There's this boogeyman that they've created that nobody is experiencing, except, I'm sorry, Rick, but um, I don't know what your experience is. Maybe you have one of the few school systems that hasn't already bought into the stuff, but I guarantee you, if that's one of the cases, if you're lucky enough to be in a school system that that's actually true, then you're in a school system that's actually run by conservatives because the left has got their meat hooks so deep into most of these school systems that you see 
cover-up of sexual assaults to try and protect the idea of allowing transgender bathroom use to become a non-issue. They're literally willing to commit criminal acts in covering up sexual assaults. Now, we rather famously discussed an an instance that took place in Virginia, but Virginia is not the only place that this has happened. We do see racial essentialism being taught in lots and lots of places. And I'm sorry, Mr. Smith, but if this was a boogeyman that nobody's dealing with, then why are any of you whining about these laws being passed? Because guess what? If it's not happening, it doesn't matter if there's a law that says you can't do it. You're literally doing the I'm I'm going to uh, fight uh, so that it can happen just because they're passing the law so it can't happen. But if it wasn't happening, why do you want it to happen? Because you want it to happen if you're fighting against the law. Do you not understand where that kind of falls? Conservatives generally push laws and fight against laws when those laws are going to allow something that we don't want to happen. So if what you're pushing for is not wanting parents to have that level of control, then just say that instead. Stop with this mundane crap. I had to censor myself. What happened during the pandemic when school was being conducted via Zoom meeting is more parents actually saw for real what was happening in these classrooms. That's part of what started so many parents now finally realizing what's been going on in the classes. When there were school systems that demanded parents sign agreements that they wouldn't be watching in on the classroom assignments, that raised the antenna of a few folks. It's like, why do you not want me to see? And that's a perfectly good question. These parents are paying the taxes to pay the salaries that operate this. You work for the parents. As long as I have a child attending school, you work for me. And you work for all the other parents. You are there to supplement me. You're there to take the time and to add supposed expertise on your part that presumably I don't have in order to teach on a subject or a specific topic. You are not there to try to make them completely different than me. You're not there to try to make them think in ways that do not mesh with my values and the values that I've tried to instill into my children. That is not your role. That has never been your role. That will never be your role, no matter how much you want that to be what you're trying to do. So do not sit here and tell us that, ooh, right-wing ideologues are just trying to create fear and anxiety. You've done that yourselves. The conservative people in this country are not the party of fear. We're the party of pushback, and we haven't been doing that very well. There have been several efforts by legislatures and parents to impact education. DeSantis signed the Florida Parental Rights Bill. We talked about that already. That banned classroom talk about gender identity and sexual orientation for small children as part of the curriculum. But Weingartner also appears to be referencing attempts in Texas to investigate 
sex reassignment procedures in young children, saying, quote, imagine if you had a trans kid right now and you were in Texas and you were trying to protect your kid and the lieutenant governor was trying to bring you up on charges because you were protecting your kid. How is that parental rights? Well, how about this? How about the fact there, Miss Weingartner, how about the fact that there's no such thing as a trans kid? How about that? You, you don't like that idea? Here's the thing. You've got to get all the way through puberty before you can possibly get to a point where you can determine for yourself what your sexual identity is going to be. And I will once again remind you that you want to throw around the term trans. I'm going to turn, throw around the term gender dysphoria. And gender dysphoria as a legitimate – legitimate – What's a good word here? I don't want to be too negative. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. It's a, a legitimate condition. Does, is, is, that, is that mundane enough? Is that neutral enough? Gender dysphoria is a legitimate condition that the majority of people that actually suffer from it outgrow it before they're into their 20s and then – uh, several that make it that far still typically outgrow it by the end of their early to mid-20s. Do you know why? Because there's some other underlying issue that they're avoiding, some trauma that normally happens when they're small children that they have no way to process until they become older and have the tools to understand the nature of those traumas and to understand the nature of sexuality and how it might have been involved in the trauma. Once they have the mental tools to then deal with it on their own and to come to a conclusion, the dysphoria normally goes away. But that's information they don't want to talk about. they much rather tell you that, oh, you're just trying to go after parents. It's like if a parent is abusing their child, then the state is inclined to intervene. Isn't that been the longstanding uh, beliefs of leftists in this country? I have often taken the, the notion that the state is way too quick to act in situations like that. Way too quick to determine that abuse is happening where how you define abuse is kind of open to interpretation. And yet there's a multitude of occasions where legitimate physical abuse is taking place at such a level that the childs are literally the childs, the children are literally in physical danger, danger of losing their lives, and the state is almost negligent in how slow they move. So it's hard to find that balance. Ultimately, you can't have it both ways, though. You're either going to say, well, the state should intervene in cases of abuse, or they shouldn't. And what's going on in Texas is abuse, because it's not just having a trans kid. It's having a trans kid that you are forcibly putting on some type of hormone therapy or surgical therapies, what the current Biden administration is trying to refer to as gender-affirming care, which is still nothing more than physical mutilation of a young person's body before they're old enough to be in a position to determine for themselves whether or not that's something that they should do. Wine Gardner wasn't done yet, though. 
she went on saying, imagine if you're a Jewish parent, you know, son or daughter of a Holocaust survivor, and the district stops teaching, <coughs> excuse me, stops teaching Mouse, a graphic novel about the Holocaust that was declared inappropriate by a school board in Tennessee earlier this year. Yes, it was declared inappropriate because there was certain imagery that fits the definition of pornography. A graphic novel should not be a teaching resource in a public school. A graphic novel is a funky way of saying we're uh, uh, making a comic and possibly putting it in hardcover. There's plenty of ways to teach about the Holocaust without breaking out mouse. Now, if you're a parent who doesn't have a problem with mouse being used, then good for you. Pick up a copy on your own and, and go over it. Become involved. I'm old enough to remember, because it wasn't that long ago, when teachers wanted more parental involvement. But right here, you have teachers and teacher unions and teacher union uh, officials like this lady, and you have school boards all over the country now that want the parents to be as uninvolved, uninvolved as possible because they don't want you to know what they're up to. Shouldn't that be the first question as a parent you asked? Why do you no longer want me to be involved in my child's education? Because I've I've grown up hearing you lectures of how there's not enough parental involvement, how there's not enough dollars in the school budget to make things happen. So you want more parental involvement to help alleviate that issue. Why all of a sudden do you no longer want parental involvement? Why do you want us out of the way? And why do you have such a problem when there are certain states that say, hey, we don't like that you're trying to teach a little five-year-old Susie here that because she's white with blonde uh, hair and blue eyes that she's the devil and cannot be redeemed. And uh, Malik over here, because he happens to have a darker skin tone than little Susie, he's going to be oppressed and never get a fair chance through his entire life. So you know what? It's okay to grow up and be violent because you should be angry. And you should be violent to tear down all these structural institutions that have held you back, that will continue to hold you back as you grow older. We should teach all of these children about how corrupt and how horrific the founding of this nation, the United States of America, was because it was clearly founded on racism. It was founded on the notion that slavery is a good thing, which is a straight, flat out lie. That was not the founding of this country. And it only takes a cursory investigation into the document, the original documentation that occurred. Go read the Federalist Papers. There were strong arguments from the very beginning of whether or not they should end slavery at the jump. Founding fathers of this country that are often criticized for having been slaveholders were opposed to slavery. But they lived in states where at the time if they had freed the slaves they had, those slaves would have been in for a much harder life because the state wouldn't have allowed them to just be free. Now, that's a horrific thing to, to, to even imagine, but it was the truth of the situation. They kept them 
and treated them better than they would have been treated otherwise. And they did it to protect them because they didn't believe in slavery. But at the time, they knew both France and England were just waiting for any excuse to waltz right back in. And if the nation had been divided at that point in time, it would have been the end of our little experiment right there. The founding principles that this nation was based upon, built upon, led to freedom. It led to the idea that you can be judged on the basis of the content of your character. That accomplishment can be achieved through whatever level of effort you're willing to put in. No guarantees of success, but guarantees of opportunity. And while all those promises were not kept and were not met at the beginning, and while we're still not 100% there, we have made such great strides from our starting point to where we are at today. Despite the best efforts of race baiters right now trying to erase the last couple of decades of improvement along those lines. And this lady, this lady just wants you to stay out of her business so she can continue to collect union dues. That's all. Of course, she's angry that some parents may be finally figuring out that what they're up to now is indoctrination at a dangerous level. That they are, in fact, engaged in grooming behavior. They're trying to groom these children to this other political ideology. They're not trying to groom them for themselves, for their own gratification, although some of them get a strange gratification in thinking that now she's convinced little Susie that she's the devil. Is there anything I can do not to be the devil, Miss Hammond? Completely random made-up name for the purposes of some random teacher. Why, yes, Susie, there is. You can become a strong ally for your friends, And perhaps you can choose a gender other than your current one that was assigned to you at birth because a doctor made a guess. And then then you become a marginalized person too, and then suddenly you're the oppressed. So you don't have to stay the oppressor devil forever. That is your one out. It's all about control. In this case, it's all about indoctrination. It's all about trying to make sure that you do what they want you to do. The Biden administration, the DOJ, are trying to appeal the ending of the mask mandate. And Jen Psaki let the cat out of the bag. She said the quiet part out loud. So did Meritless Garland. And uh, so did uh, Anthony Fauci, too. But I'm going to play that clip from the beginning of the first hour again. Well, we obviously didn't expect the decision because uh, we wouldn't have known in advance how a court would act. Um, So uh, and we disagreed with the decision immediately. So uh, the immediate steps were to determine uh, what power we had to respond to that. Obviously, that uh, that uh, came in the form of. Uh, the Department of Justice came in the form of the CDC acting um, er, and putting out the statements that they did. But, um, you know, we also don't take photos of flights as data about how the country reacts uh, to issues. Um, 
you know, as whether they're ripping off their, their masks or not. I mean, our focus here was seeing what power we had to preserve, but also to preserve the CDC authority over the long term, because as we've noted from here, we expect there to be ups and downs in the pandemic, and we certainly want the CDC to continue to have this authority. Yes, the authority, the authority. They want the authority. They want the power. They don't care about your actual health. They'll use health as the excuse, but they want the power. She said it out loud. Meritless Garland said the same thing. Well, we did this because we believe the CDC has this authority and we want to protect its authority to act. Authority, authority, authority. Anthony Fauci literally came out and said he doesn't like the fact that courts got involved. This is not the domain of the courts. It's the domain of public health, and public health is the CDC. The CDC is part of the executive branch and has no authority beyond what we permit. And the courts and the Senate have oversight of these. So sorry, Dr. Anthony Fauci, second greatest doctor of all time, right behind Dr. Bill, uh, Dr. Jill Biden. <laughs> I'm starting to sound like uh, Joe. Uh, I keep forgetting who my wife is. But it's all about the power. Has been from the beginning. Another good example is this last story. I'm going to try and sneak it in. Don't have much time left. There's a Democrat in Rhode Island who's now proposed a new bill that would tax residents of the state who have not been vaccinated against COVID-19. They want to tax them double on their state income tax. The legislation was introduced by progressive state Senator Samuel W. Bell, who cited, quote, a crisis with the pandemic to justify the proposed policy. The bill states that every state resident starting at age 16 needs to be vaccinated or face financial penalties, saying, quote, every person of at least 16 years of age who is eligible for immunization against COVID-19 and who resides in the state of Rhode Island, works in the state of Rhode Island, or pays personal income taxes to the state of Rhode Island, pursuant to Chapter 30 of Title 44, shall be required to be immunized against COVID-19. Now, the senator also references young son's lung disease in explaining why he introduced the bill. Thousands of Rhode Islanders have died. I've had really painful calls from constituents who can't go to the store because they're immunocompromised, who have lost loved ones to this pandemic, who are really ill and not fully recovered, suffering long-term effects. Now, the measure is opposed by Senate Republican Minority Whip Jessica De La Cruz of North Smithville. She called the bill an overreach of power. Really? I think that's a massive understatement. But I'm going to give her credit for standing up and being vocal. She says, quote, I have not, nor will I ever support legislation that coerces Rhode Islanders into making medical decisions or face steep financial damages. I hear my constituents and others around the state loud and clear. This is dangerous litigation, and it sends the message that our government doesn't trust you to make the right choice for you and your family. This is an unconscionable overreach of legislative power. Because in addition to the penalty when filing income taxes, the proposed mandate uh, would have Rhode Island residents who choose not to get vaccinated to pay a fine of up to $50 per month 
that requires the residents to take, quote, all eligible doses within multiple dose immunization series. So, uh, so you're going to pay double the state income taxes, and then you're going to pay a monthly fine of $50 a month. Now, I pray to goodness that this does not pass because the people of Rhode Island deserve better than that. They want to get you all up in your fields. I take terrible, terrible phone calls from constituents, people who are immunocompromised. I'm sorry, but aren't the immunocompromised people in your state already having to take special precautions on their own? Weren't they having to take special precautions before COVID-19 was thrust upon the country? And once again, I will remind every single person that even if you take at complete total face value the things that, that the government and the folks at Pfizer and other such pharmaceutical companies tell us, then this is a immunization. It is a vaccine that is still in experimental phases. And now that we've moved beyond that initial inside the first year of multi-doses, we're starting to hear more and more incidences of injury caused by the vaccine. And now that we are beyond the COVID that was at its most deadly, now that we're at a point where subvariants of Omicron are being literally referred to as stealth COVID because you're not feeling or having symptoms, I think we're beyond the point of requiring people to take an experimental item. Again, that's, that's just giving them the full benefit of the doubt. That's giving them every piece that you can possibly allow. And let them be as right as they can be. To try and force somebody into anything else at this point is a violation of the nature of the American spirit. Individual liberty. Let us make our own assessments. Let us be responsible for ourselves. And let us understand that you're free to take any steps you deem necessary to protect your step, yourself, but you have zero rights to force anybody else into doing what you want them to do just because you think it's better for you. You don't have that right in this country. No one does. Your rights end where mine begin. My rights end where your rights begin. And we need to all respect that. And that's going to have to be it for today. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much, as always, for staying with me to the end. Remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort. And most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Meanwhile, don't forget to uh, visit those websites I pointed out to you that are either in the show description or come visit me at tap into the truth. That's T-A-P-P into the truth.com and uh, check it out from there. And uh, oh yeah. Hey Joe. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go Brandon.
gun control is using both hands. Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep. To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep. Is using both hands. Well, I prefer the three to wait to the tiny two to three. Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family. Using both hands.